of Marion Libraries podcast is a show about bringing you the latest ideas, authors, and events happening in our community and beyond. And books. We love to talk about books. I'm Paula, and welcome to our latest episode where Jane talks about lovely books to read over the summer, and I am also meant to do that, but instead I have a rant about a book I clearly need to get off my chest. There are also a couple of recommendations from fellow colleagues, so if you are wondering what to read and maybe not read over the holidays, sit back and have a listen. Okay, hi Jane. Hi Paula. Here we are again. (laughs) It's so much fun. I know, I do too. I think we should just be able to, you know, read all day and make this our job. Maybe that we should suggest that. Yeah, yeah. maybe if we can make this really popular, <laughs> we can just have this be our whole job. <laughs> and a dream. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Gotta have dreams. First, I wondered if you wanted to just have a quick chat about Summer Reading Club. Sure. Because Summer Reading Club has started. It has. It started at the beginning of December. Summer Reading Club is um, a program we run every year. Um, It encourages kids to keep reading through the school holidays with the added bonus of maybe winning a prize. Mm -hmm. So if you pop into any of our branches, you can grab an activity pack, which has got some um, activity sheets, some colouring in competitions, uh, as well as some, I think we've got some little tattoos and stickers yeah, and things that you, the kids can grab. Arm those, uh, bracelets, little those, yeah, rubber those bracelets things. that kids like. Yeah, <laughs> colourful. They're colourful. They're um, fun. And it also includes our reading log. So every time you read 10 books, you jot down the titles and then you bring it into the library and enter it into the competition at the end of summer. We draw the winners and you can win awesome prizes. So yes. open to all ages, just drop into any branch and we can hit you up with a reading pack. Yes, and they they can enter more than once. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. When you drop off your filled out reading log, grab another one and you can do another sheet. So yeah. we have some very prolific readers mm. who enter the summer reading um, competition each year. So excellent. go for it. How many prizes do we give out? There's one per branch. Right, okay. Yes. So could got, be you. It could be, yeah. and they're really good prizes. So. Yeah, excellent. That's fun. And then there's also more um, online at summerreadingclub.org. Absolutely. Yes, it is is .org, I'm pretty sure. Um, For more um, games and that sort of thing. Absolutely, yeah. Right, so now let's get to our books. Do you want to start first with your first Sure, I have two books that I'm going to recommend for summer reading. Um, The first one is an Australian author. Her name is Kirsty Manning. She brought a book out this year called The Jade Lily. This is her second novel. She's also written a book called The Midsummer Garden. Kirsty is Australian. Like I said, she lives in New South Wales, I think, in country New South Wales. Mm. Um, She's got a journalism background. So she writes for um, magazines and does articles and all of that sort of stuff. Um, we had her earlier in the year for an author event talking yes. about the Jade Lily. That's right. I loved the Jade Lily. It's a really beautifully written, um, very visual kind of a book. Mm. Um, I thought I'd read the little blurb just to give everybody a bit of a taste of what it's about. Sounds good. <clears throat> 
In 2016, fleeing London with a broken heart, Alexandra returns to Australia to be with her grandparents, Romy and Wilhelm, Wilhelm, when her grandfather is dying. With only weeks left together, her grandparents begin to reveal the family mysteries they have kept secret for more than half a century. In 1939, two young girls meet in Shanghai, the Paris of the East. Beautiful local Lee and Viennese refugees, refugee Romy form a fierce friendship. But the deepening shadows of World War II fall over the women as Lee and Romy slip between the city's glamorous French concession and the desperate Shanghai ghetto. Eventually they're forced to separate to separate ways as Romy doubts Lee's loyalties. After Wilhelm dies, Alexandra flies to Shanghai, determined to trace her grandparents' past. As she peels back the layers of their hidden lives, she begins to question everything she knows about her family and herself. Mm. So that's the story. So it spans across time and generations. So it flicks between present-day Australia and present-day Shanghai and pre-World War II or the very beginnings of World War II Shanghai and a little bit in the very beginning of the book is set in Austria. Mm. So when we had Kirsty uh, earlier in this year, I think it was May that she came and spoke, she talked a lot about the research that went into this book and it was fascinating. The, the detail in which um, and the lengths she went to to gather information about this book, she spent time in Shanghai, she spent time in Europe, she visited Jewish museums in Shanghai and I actually learnt, I had no idea that there were so many Jewish refugees in China during yeah, World I, War II. I, I never heard that Absolutely either. no idea. Mm. But in fact, Shanghai and what was the other country? I've got it in my notes here. The Dominican Republic. Oh, wow. Were the only countries to allow Jewish re refugees to cross their borders <gasps> at wow. the beginning of World War Two. They had 20,000 European Jewish people um, come to Shanghai wow. in I think sort of 1939 to the early 1940s and they also didn't require a visa so it was, oh. that was the port of entry for all of these people wow. fleeing Nazi Germany. That's fascinating in the Dominican Republic such a I small know. I know such wow. random yeah. places mm. um, so there was a huge there's a huge um, Jewish history in Shanghai that I had no absolutely no idea about. Wow. Um, so and this apparently and this is where Chris um, Kirsty spent a lot of time is in the Jewish Museum in Shanghai and it's a very got a very rich history there and there's lots of evidence still um, in the Shanghai ghetto where these people were forced to live. Mm. Um, you know, there's the Star of David's carved into, you know, fence posts and things like this that still exist now. Wow. So it's fascinating. Um, so they, Shanghai actually took the most of any country at the time. Okay. So took the most um, refugees of, you know, the whole world. So did she say when she was here what inspired her to write this novel oh, did she know sure somebody she or did, but i can't remember what planted the seed so before we remember. were recording our um author talks for podcasts otherwise we could go back and listen. it would be fabulous yeah, yes that was before but she yeah she was fantastic um so i think her this is only her second novel but it's just such a lovely beautiful story i actually <laughs> 
I met my husband at a cafe while I was in the middle of reading this book. It's, and this is one of those ones that you carry around with you mm. so that you can, you know, when you're at the traffic lights, you read a little bit and then right. you get to where you're meeting and you read it before the meeting starts. Yeah. It's one of those books. So I met my husband for lunch and I had the book with me and it was this quite sad part in the book, which I won't, you know, spoil anything, mm. but I actually got teary in the cafe sitting, oh, you know, so... so cute. <laughs> I was so involved in this story that I cried in this restaurant before my husband got there. I must have looked like a sight. But it's it's a beautiful story and I highly recommend it to anyone. I'm hoping she she wrote The Midsummer Garden in 2017. This came out 2018. So I'm okay. hoping she's one of those really prolific authors that just bangs out a novel every year because okay. I already can't wait. And did you for like her, next one. her first one as much as this one or...? Not as much. Okay. The, her first one is set, and I have it here, I can't remember what year, Fourteen eight in the year 1487. Oh, so wow. it's really, I don't even know if that's medieval. I think that's even mm. pre-medieval. Mm. But this is another one. Her first book also bounces between the 1400s and 2014. Oh, wow. So I did actually, I've, oh, I'm not even a third of the way through it. You can see where my bookmark oh, is. okay probably I don't know a fifth of the way through it and I like it but it's a little bit harder to get into but that's just because I don't love reading books set in the no me neither long long time ago I find it hard to access yeah Yeah. that's a good good phrase hard to access yeah well yeah like even um that Ken Follett stuff yeah people loved it and I I just it's too much so Mm. Anyway, I will give it another go, though. But yeah. I definitely think the Jade Lily is gorgeous. Everyone should read it. Excellent. Good one. <laughs> <laughs> What's on your list? Um, okay, I've got The Woman in the Window by A.J. Finn. I have read this one. And this is the first time we have both yes, read it is. the same book. So this is really good because I really I read this and... Yeah, had a lot of strong reactions to it, mm-hmm. so um, I'm interested to hear what you think as well. So this is a debut novel, and um, AJ Finn, I understand, also um, has a journalism background. Mm-hmm. Um, because, and I know that because at the end of this audiobook, um, there's a little interview between him and the woman who reads the audiobook, which I thought was interesting. Mm. I never um, had that at the end of any of my audiobooks before. But um, anyway, it's about um, Anna, as you know, Mm -hmm. but for people who are listening, is a woman who is living alone, and because of something that's happened to her in the past year, she Mm -hmm. now suffers from agoraphobia and alcoholism, Mm -hmm. um, which causes her, of course, agoraphobia is fear of going outside, so she's stuck in her house all day, and she spends a lot of time looking out her window Mm -hmm. at her neighbors and imagining their lives. Mm And then one day she witnesses something through her window that totally gets sets her spinning out of control, wondering if she's lost her mind. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, so that's the basis for the story. So it's got elements of rear window, yeah, um, and also girl on a train yes. with the alcoholism and unreliable um, narrator. I don't think that's giving too much away to <laughs> say that, um, but. This book frustrated me mm-hmm. so much because mm-hmm. um, I just, it was, it took like that, that 
sort of pivotal moment when she looks sees something through the mm-hmm. window mm-hmm. happens really far into the book I felt like it should have happened way earlier yeah, it did actually didn't it yeah. I just felt so often in this book like oh get to the point yeah and it, and I, I actually gave up on it and started went to Goodreads and yeah. started um, seeing what other people had to say because I thought, oh, I'm just going to find out what happens in this book. And in the process of that, realized a spoiler that I really mm. would have liked to have experienced you know, as a reader in the book. Oh, so you, I, did you find out the spoiler? I found out the spoiler oh. through Goodreads. So, oh. I mean, I guess that serves me right. But anyway, I went back <laughs> and I finished it, but... I just was going to read this one quote because I feel like this exemplifies the way I, what annoyed me about this book. Frigid air seizes my body, so raw that my heart feels faint. It storms my clothes, sets them trembling around me. My ears brim the sound of the wind. I'm filling up with cold, running over with cold. And I was she's like, I guess cold. she's cold. <laughs> And I know, I guess, to, like, to some people, that one bit might sound good, but you have to imagine the whole when book. When it's pages of it's like that. Pages. And what does ears brim mean, anyway? I don't know. Brim, maybe I didn't, like, bring the sound of the wind. Brim with the sound of the wind? I don't know. But anyway, I just found it was really overwritten it's very and repetitious. It's very, yeah, it is a very descriptive book. And I know I'm mm. supposed to be, like, recommending and not. Yeah. <laughs> but so, I just found... Yeah. <laughs> I just really, I guess I needed to talk about this because it had some really good plot twists and I felt Mm. like the storyline would have easily kept me engaged if it weren't for the the wordiness, the verbosity. Oh, that's a nice (laughs) word, isn't it? Um, Um, I agree and I found myself skimming this book a bit I would have loved to have skimmed it I should have like hit the fast forward button yeah I kind of you know when you read a book and you it's one of those ones you just know that something's going to happen and it's fairly dramatic in its storyline I guess Mm. I just found myself just skimming quickly through or I'd skim to the dialogue skim I was just gonna say skim skim to the the dialogue and get straight to the dialogue just so I could get through it and find out what happened so I can hurry up and finish this finish book it so that you know yeah so because, I mean, there were redeeming qualities about it and I felt towards the end he um had these sort of sharp short sharp and shiny chapters as mm. the pace was picking up and yeah. that worked really well I liked that did you say this was his first book it was his first mm. it's his first book and the reason why I'm keeping it in the podcast is because it's a, on a lot of people's best of 2018 yeah. lists it's been extraordinarily popular this year this book yes and also I just read this morning that it's going to be made into a movie next year so With Amy Adams yes that's right yes she's a frustrating uh main character as well yes she's not a likable character she's not she's very we're you're really just selling it out there yeah we are <laughs> <laughs> but because it is in lots of people's lists i guess fair warning lots of people loved it um yeah and it's going to be a movie so if you like to read the book before yeah. the movie comes out it's and got I, it's a good storyline it's you know mm-hmm. it keeps you interested it's it's a is, would you say it's a psychological thriller yes, is that the I kind of say, yeah that's yeah if you it's like very sort of if you like girl on the train you will probably like this book except for i loved girl on the train and this frustrated me don't listen mm. to an, an audiobook maybe that's read what it, it is. like jane did skim the <laughs> skim the we skim recommend the you skim read this book yes <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, that's an upset about okay. one <laughs> Now, I've only got one more. How many have you got? I've got two, and then we've got a couple Oh, um, that's from, right. Um, a couple of staff colleagues. recommendations. Yes. All right, shall I talk about mine? Yes, or please do. Or do you? Out? Yeah, yeah, go, All go right. for it. Um, this is nonfiction, and it's a memoir by Busy Phillips um, called This Will Only Hurt a Little. Um, people will know Busy Phillips from Dawson's Creek... Freaks and Geeks, which is, you know, only had two seasons, but it's got this incredible cult following. Yes. Mm. Um, and Cougar Town, which ran for oh, seven. Mm. I didn't watch it. I didn't watch seven either, seasons or something. Cox. Yes. And, yeah. Yeah. It was mm. quite popular. Um, and she's been in tons of movies, and she's had guest appearances on just about any TV show you can think of. She's on ER for a while. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that either until right. I read it because. But I you'll don't... recognize her from the front cover if yes. you're not sure who we're talking about. And she's huge on Instagram. She ah. has really created this life for herself on Instagram. I feel like you're getting some of your book recommendations <laughs> from Instagram because last I time do. you had. Um, <laughs> what was her name? Pa- 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 oh, um, Parker Posey. Parker Posey. And yes. you also, she also, I also is, follow her on, yeah, Instagram. on Instagram. I'm a big fan of Instagram. <laughs> we should put it some of our recommendations on Instagram. Yes. Let's, let's talk cross about our that fingers and remember that later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is a memoir. Um, I thought I'd read the little blurby thing that's on her publisher's website for this one as well, just to give a bit of a flavour, if that's all right. Sounds good. In this stunningly candid memoir, Busy opens up about chafing against a sexist system rife with onset bullying and body shaming, being there when friends face shattering loss, enduring devastating personal and professional betrayals from those she loved best, and struggling with postpartum anxiety and the challenges of motherhood. Busy is the rare entertainer whose impressive arsenal of talents as an actress is equally matched by her storytelling ability, sense of humour and sharp observations about life, love and motherhood. Her conversational writing reminds us what we love about her on screens large and small. From film to television to Instagram and now to the page. Busy delightfully showcases her wry humour and her willingness to bear all. Mm, that sounds so that's good. That sounds the book. really relatable for lots it of people, is. I would think. And yeah. she's about our age-ish, okay. I think. So I she... won't point out that I'm a little bit <laughs> older than you. Yeah, let's go with that. Sure, our age. Yep. <laughs> so she came of age during the 90s. I think she's a little bit older than me. She came of age during the 90s, which is also when... I was a teenager in the 90s, so Mm. it's a very relatable, because the book starts when she was born, basically, through till now. Um, So her experiences during her teenage years were very relatable to me. You know, this is pre-mobile phones, pre-social media, pre-all of that stuff that we didn't have to deal with when we were teenagers, thank goodness. Mm. Um, So it just, it's not a... It's not a sad book, but there are some things that happen to her that are not nice yeah, and it are like it. sad. Mm. Um, is it is it new? The book, yes, yes. So she came out, published it in the the post um, hashtag Me Too. Oh yes, yes. It only yeah. came out maybe oh, two months ago, three months ago. Okay, so definitely yep. post Harvey Weinstein, yeah, post right. Me Too, all of that stuff. Mm. Um, so a lot of things happen to her that aren't dissimilar to what happened to you know 
almost any woman that you would meet on the street um, throughout her, you know, early years in her career, mm. before she found her own voice. Um, she really eloquently captures that desperation of being a teenage girl mm. you know and that face you just made that just <laughs> it is it's kind of makes pulls on your heartstrings a yeah. little bit that you you know we're also vulnerable vulnerable and, and desperate and wanting validation yes. from the world and wanting to connect to others all of those sorts of things she really beautifully beautifully and eloquently writes about mm. the very um yeah very relatable to how I felt as a teenage girl, I mm. guess. Yeah. Um, it's a really cool glimpse, and because I'm a nosy Parker, <laughs> it's a really. <laughs> she talks a lot about the inner workings of Hollywood oh, and does getting she dish? work. She dishes yeah. quite a bit, not in a um, salacious kind of a way, right. but a really. This is how it happened, and this is how it was right. for me. That sort of way. So, Wh- when did she start her acting career? Was oh, she, she was a adult? child. Oh, she was a child. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, she was so. did some little things when she was younger. Okay. So she's kind of always wanted to be an actress, and it. She talked a lot about how it just never really quite happened for her. Right. She never hit the big time as such. Yep. She's always more of a sort of. She's side kind of floated around. Yeah, yeah, floated around the side and had some really great, you know, cougar town. You know, that went for seven seasons, I think. So that's fairly significant. But then getting ongoing work and how are we going to get an income coming in? How do I live in Hollywood with no work? So she talked a lot about that, which is really refreshing and honest. Mm. Um, Really easy to read. She writes like she talks. It's got a slight valley girl vibe to to the writing, which doesn't bother me but might bother some people maybe Mm, I like that style of writing yeah Yeah. I really enjoyed it and I think anyone who knows her would enjoy it anyone who was a teenager in the 90s or 80s even would enjoy it and relate to Mm. her experiences cool so you should read it yeah I'll put it on my whole list yeah Yeah. do it yeah (laughs) excellent (laughs) okay well um I will talk about oh actually I do this is should we read this is well I was going to mention this one I haven't read but okay. it's on my list of mm-hmm. books that I want to read so I thought I would just, um, talk about it here okay. as well which this is the, uh, the librarian's choice for oh, yes. December 18 January 2019 mm-hmm. and it's called Half Moon Lake by Kirsten Alexander mm-hmm. now if you don't know what librarian's choice is you should um, oh I'll put a link in the show notes but yeah. what it is is Every month, um, they release the top 10 new release books as voted by library staff around Australia. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to give that a bit of a spruik because I like that um, it's library staff in Australia. It's a great resource. Yep. Yep. It's the equivalent of looking on the just-returned shelf in the library. Yeah. Get your ideas from here. That's right. So librarianschoice.org. And initially, um, I was a bit disappointed because I saw that this is a book that's set in the States by an American author. But when I had a closer look, I realized that although she was born in America, she was actually um, um, 
uh, born in San Francisco, raised in Brisbane, now lives in Melbourne. Well, that's so okay then. Then it's okay. Gets our <laughs> that, tick then. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and so the way this is described um, is as an engrossing mystery set in America's deep south. It's about a missing boy and the two very different mothers who claim that he belongs to them. So um, w- what I realized is that this is a fictionalized book based on the true life story of Bobby Dunbar. Mm-hmm. Um, and a that, very famous missing person. That's case. right, and yeah. so that right away hooked me because mm-hmm. um, I'm a true crime um, sad sack. <laughs> and um, and um, the podcast This American Life, which is one of my favorite podcasts, did an mm-hmm. episode about this story where fascinating. Yeah, it's a really mm. fascinating story about this little boy um, who goes missing. Little four-year-old Bobby Dunbar goes missing in 1912 in Mississippi, mm. and eight months later, the police claim they found him and they deliver him back to his mother. Mm-hmm. And the um, reporting around the time kind of is a bit um, hit and miss because some um, reporters say that she swept him up in her arms mm-hmm. and cried and mm. couldn't be happier and others said that um she didn't recognize him yeah which you know eight months is not a long time you'd, i mean it's you'd know your kids, you'd know though. your child yeah. after eight months yeah um but anyway the parents eventually came to accept him as their child and raised him as um their child even though um a little while later another woman showed up and claimed that she was his mother mm. and that his name was actually bruce anderson so it's a really fascinating story is it sad um, well, I haven't read this oh, book. Oh, yes, you haven't. That's yeah. right. Sorry. It but, sounds sad. Yeah, it does sound sad. Mm. Um, so yeah. I find these sorts of books traumatic to read. Right. You don't like to read. <laughs> that's where we <laughs> That's where we differ. Missing children. <laughs> I know. Oh. I know. It sounds like the kind of thing I would have loved before I had children, though. Yeah, and yeah. I know everything changes after you have kids. Yeah, and, yeah I know. Yeah. But, I'm um, a sook now. Yeah. But... <laughs> So anyway, I'm really looking forward to reading that book, which um, fictionalizes that true life story about Bobby Dunbar. So nice one. Yeah. So now maybe do you want Should to I read? read? Yeah. Um, this was this is a children's recommendation mm-hmm. from one of our colleagues. Yes, this is from Renya, who is one of our most well-read staff members would you say yes well-read widely read remembers what she read remembers authors names and titles and plots and plots and it's almost like she just absorbs books via osmosis she's meant to be here yes (laughs) (laughs) so this is Renya's recommendation it's called The Boy, The Bird and The Coffin Maker by Australian author Matilda Woods it is set in a past time in an imagined world but it is not a traditional fantasy novel. So no dragons, fairies, etc. The story evolves around a town carpenter who, when the plague hits his town, is forced to become a coffin maker. His wife and three children die of the plague and he lives alone in a small village for 30 years. Everything is quiet, peaceful and slightly monotonous until a young boy and a bird come into the coffin maker's life. This is the author's first book and has made the New York Public Library's top 100 books for kids in 2018. It's a great read with enough in it to be enjoyed by adults as well as older kids. Yep. Sounds, sounds good, good, doesn't it? Yes. It's exactly the kind of thing I would have read as a youngish as a child. Yeah. Yes, I loved I loved the plague. Well, didn't love the plague. <laughs> I was fascinated by the plague and the Hindenburg and Oh, so back disasters. then you could read about children. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> Tragic stories about children, just not now. <laughs> I think I might add this to my list because yeah. this sounds really interesting. Yep. What's that? Um, is it Margaret Atwood book? No, it's not Margaret Atwood. Year of Wonders. Have you read that? Is that Margaret Atwood? Mm. No, it's... Um, she wrote this one is where we the need the flood. Yeah, no. This is where we need Renya. Yeah. The Year of Wonders is about the plague, about a, a town that isolates itself from the plague. I'm gonna oh, go is it a children's book? No, it's oh, an adult's okay. book, but oh. I loved that as well. So right. I think this would be We're going to have a plague theme podcast. It's definitely <laughs> <laughs> a great idea. Diseases. <laughs> Diseases in literature. And what books you should read. Sherwin <laughs> <laughs> will flock to that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, now I have two short books. So these really are good summer read suggestions mm-hmm. because they're short and fun. Yeah. So the first one is called Can You Ever Forgive Me by Lee Israel. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of this no. book? Okay. No. The subtitle is Memoirs of a Literary Forger. And both Ooh. of these books I'm about to talk about are nonfiction. Yeah. Um, this one is a biography. Um, and it came out in 2008, actually, so it's oh, not okay. a new book, but it's had a resurgence because the movie has come out oh. this year with Melissa McCarthy oh, playing yes. Lee Israel. And so <clears throat> um, this is the little blurb um, that uh, about it. Lee Israel's hilarious and shocking memoir of the astonishing caper she carried on for almost two years when she forged and sold more than 300 letters by such literary notables as Dorothy Parker, Edna Ferber, Noel Coward, and many others. So, wow. yeah, it is a really fun book. It's only, it's a little book. It's only, you know, 127 oh. pages. I read it in a morning, and wow. I it just yeah. gulped it down. She's hilarious. She's witty. She's got this acerbic sort of wit. Mm. Um some of it, I felt like I'm not smart enough to read this book. I had to look up a lot of the words. <laughs> um, and also, I feel like um, the the people um, who... So, sorry, I should say, this is about how she is a writer. She's struggling. Her books used to be really popular, right. and now they're not anymore. She's trying to make ends meet. She's trying to pay her rent. So and she so she, well, she initially sells um, an actual letter that she had from um, a famous writer. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the people who buys it off of her says, oh, this would be, you know, good if it, somehow she realizes what makes a really good um, letter from somebody famous. Yeah. So she starts to forge them. <laughs> and it just, she is so funny. And the other thing is that, um, she's not our contemporary. She's much older, mm-hmm. and so the people and the people obviously who she's forging the letters are dead um, because yes. obviously yes. otherwise they could yes. come back and say, "Hey, I didn't write that." <laughs> um, so it, I think, would have been even um, funnier if I like you know knew mm. Noel Coward and like could yeah. you imagine if you know? So if you sort of um, you know know those sort of older literary and. Um, and um, artistic figures, yeah, you'll love yeah. it even more. But even without that, it's excellent. It's just so I'm funny. Add this to my list too. This looks yeah, good. it's really really good. Um, so that's that one. And then another one that I haven't finished reading yet, but I'm also completely in love with is this book called Dear Fahrenheit 451. Mm-hmm. And the subtitle is A Librarian's Love Letters and Breakup Notes to Her Books. Aww. So. 
um, I don't know if it's a bit self-indulgent for me <laughs> to be running a library podcast discussing a library book by a librarian about library books. I think it's perfectly but, appropriate. Yes, I think the kids would say it's very meta. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I completely fell in love with this book. She goes through books that have meant something to her in her life, mm. and I'm going to read one of them. And I had a really hard time trying to decide which... Um, letter I was going to read because they're all so awesome for different reasons but I'm going to read just this um, this one to give you a little taste so you can understand fiction Tolstoy Leo classic Russian literature The Bachelor choices dear Anna Karenina I feel like I don't even know you maybe that's why I find it so difficult to say I've been seeing someone else. (laughs) Geez, I'm sorry. I know I've led you on. I asked my friends about you. I checked you out more than once. You came home with me. You stayed for a month. But while you were on my coffee table, looking so earnest and so very long, (laughs) Eleanor and Park by Rainbow Roll was in my bed. And then some Megan Abbott mysteries. And then Dolly Parton's autobiography. (laughs) Twice. (laughs) I tried. I really did. Once I even picked you up and held you. I kept you on my lap while I watched The Bachelor. (laughs) And you made me feel better. Like I wasn't just some faceless citizen of Bachelor Nation. I read Russian literature, I thought to myself. I'm just smugly observing this show until the next commercial when I will begin my scholarly analysis. But then I kept watching through after the final rose. Anna, I don't have one unkind word to say about you, because I haven't read you. Perhaps it's just not our time. There will come a day, probably, when I get a hankering for a bleak 864-page novel translated from Russian. But until that day, back to the shelves you go. I tried to look up goodbye in Russian, but it's really hard to spell, so just goodbye, Annie. (laughs) Anyway, the whole book is like that, and I've just decided I want Annie Spence, who wrote this book, to be my new best friend, because she is just so funny. That sounds great. Yeah, and the other thing about this one is because it's all just, like, little letters here Mm. and there, you could, if you're, like, really busy over Christmas and you don't have time to sit down and read a big whole thing, you can just pick it up, flip to whatever, any page, page, and just read that letter. You can watch it in the commercial breaks of of your choice of reality TV (laughs) show. (laughs) (laughs) It's lots of fun. (laughs) I like it. They're both great recommendations. Yeah, so, yeah, hopefully a little better for summer reading yeah. than, um, than me harping on about why I didn't like the woman yeah. in the window. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, one I've other one recommendation, recommendation from um, staff member Dave, who, who I want to mention um, this one because it is also on lots mm-hmm. of people's yes. um, to-be-read lists, um, which is The Other Wife by Michael... No, I don't know how to say his last name. I should have... Robotham, Robotham, isn't it? Isn't yeah. It? yeah. Michael Robotham. Um, and Dave said, if you want to read a cracking good psychological mystery, then give Michael Robotham's The Other Wife a try. For all of you out there with a secret second family, my wife also enjoyed it. Wife number one, that is. <laughs> <laughs> That's Dave. That's a good recommendation. Yeah. 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 Fantastic. So all of these books, I'll put links to in the show notes um, yeah. if you want to pop them on um, your holds list. Yeah, all available in the library somewhere. Yes, yep. that's right, in the one card um, system. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that's about it. We hope you have a very Merry Christmas. Enjoy your reading over the yes. summer break. Yep, get into it and relax and read. And Ha, 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 ha.